This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. AC Sparky, 5 or 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I actually got some sun today after about two to three inches of rain yesterday. Uh, joining us, as always, is Dwight Albert. Follow him on Twitter at Dewey300, part of the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Phil Brylow, $2 Phil. Follow him on Twitter at Brew City Bowling Course. You can follow me at Sparky Radio over at 1250 AM, The Fan. And our guy, Steve Belanda, joins us now of bookies.com, our special guest uh, today. We have talked about gambling. We've talked about Fox Sports Bet uh, and Fox Bet, I should say, and the future of that and where that is headed. And because uh, the three of us aren't gambling experts by any stretch of the imagination, we figured we probably should get somebody on that actually knows what the hell he's talking about. So we brought Steve on. And Steve happens to be a Wisconsin guy, like all of us, and we didn't even know it. So, Steve, before we get into Fox Bet and all this other stuff, how does one go about getting into uh, this this line of work of uh, gambling and writing for websites and all of that stuff. Because I'm sure there are a lot of guys and girls that are listening. It's like, I know who's going to win these bowling tournaments more than he does. <laughs> I could write for this website. So h- how does one get involved with this? Um, yeah. And if you read my first couple articles, then you may be right. Maybe you are better <laughs> than me at, at, at handicapping. But uh um, for me, I actually, it started with, um, when I was in college at UW Madison, I had an internship with rotowire.com, sure. um, which I'm representing here, yep. a fantasy sports website. Um, and you know, after I graduated, um, there wasn't a full-time opportunity there. So I went out and, you know, got my office job for about 15 years. And when I started hating that, then I decided to look around and the first place that I looked was rotowire to see if they had any openings and just so happened that it was perfect timing because they had a marketing position and marketing is what I went to school for and well, marketing journalism. Um, but yeah, so it just worked out perfectly that the timing was right. I applied there. Um, so Rotowire hired me. Um, I've been with Rotowire for about a year now, actually just past my one year anniversary. Um, but Rotowire, um, Prior to that, a few months earlier, was acquired by Gambling.com, which Gambling.com also has Bookies.com and several other kind of related websites. So, um, so my position, I my full time job, I guess you could say, really is doing marketing for RotoWire. But I have a passion for bowling. You know, I've been a bowler for about thirty years now, and you know, bowl competitively in the Milwaukee area and. You know, I saw an opportunity where nobody is writing about bowling betting. So 
I just I went to our editor at Bookies and said, hey, can I start writing articles? And they're like, sure, let's give it a try, see what kind of traffic it gets. So that's where we're at right now. And and why did it take so long for sports betting to get into bowling? I mean, I know a few years ago I was out in Reno with the World Series of Bowling in 2016-17, and the Silver Legacy offered betting on the World Series of Bowling, but it was very limited. Uh, How come it didn't pick up faster? I mean, in the last year, I've seen Bet Rivers and a couple other books uh, that unfortunately we can't bet on in Wisconsin, and I couldn't bet on anyway with my relationship with the PBA. what, what took him so long to realize that, you know, bowling could be a pretty hot sport to bet on? Uh, well, actually, um, really, the reason this, what kind of uh, pushed me towards really going for it to start writing about it is um, I was at a tournament and Tom Clark's son was also bowling in the tournament. And Tom came out and was watching his son. And, you know, after bowling, you know, he was just at the bar having a beer and I decided to approach him and start asking him some questions about like, Hey, when are we going to have fantasy bowling? And when are, when are we going to have more options for gambling on bowling? And he was like, Hey, don't, don't talk to me about it. You have to talk to the fan duels and the draft Kings. And because they don't believe that there's enough of a market for it. Basically um, he, he said, you know, they don't want to put the resources into it because they don't think that enough people would want to bet on it or play fantasy bowling and things like that. So um, it's something that, you know, he told me the PBA is is pushing for more of it, um, both fantasy and gambling. Um, but it's just that they, they don't want to put the resources into it. Could the PBA do it on their own? I mean, I know that they're owned by Bolero and Bolero already has their own app where people can bowl against each other for money. Could the PBA do something similar to that or does it actually take a gambling license in the state for them to offer, let's say, you know, daily or uh, a tournament, fantasy bowling at the TOC, something like that. Can they do that on their own or do they need to be licensed? Um, I think you'd have to have the certain licensing for that. Okay. Yeah. So how does it get going then? How do we build on this? Uh, How do we get it in the state? Is that something that has to go through the governor up in Madison? How does this develop? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in Wisconsin, the, the challenge is that, um, you know, right now it's really kind of basically the, the, the tribes would have to agree to it. You know, the, um, we've got the gambling is that's only set up through, you know, the Potawatomi's and whatnot. So, um, I think they'd have to come to some kind of an agreement, um, so it'd have to be, yeah, go through the government, have an agreement that the tribes are happy with uh, before we can ever have remember, gambling. You have gambling is legal in Illinois, for instance, and many other states around the country, as always, we're last on everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in probably 10 or 15 years, when we're the last state without gambling, then maybe it'll put be put in. Right. But. If they were to make gambling legal in Wisconsin, then you'd be able to do these online betting and everything else, and you'd have everything opened up to you uh, to be more feasible to do it on your phone and so forth. Probably a little bit more difficult to do it legally um, the other way. Well, and between you and Steve, you guys will know the, what the question is. Why is Daily Fantasy legal then? Why, were, why are certain companies... Because it's fantasy. Oh, so if you bet on certain people for doing certain achievements, that's fine, but you can't bet on them to win. Correct. That uh, seems a little bizarre. Yes, fantasy is gambling. 
and, right. and gambling is fantasy to a certain degree. I totally agree. Fantasy sports is gambling. And yeah. again, I've been doing it since what? The early 90s. So, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying and you are correct yeah. for whatever the reason, though. That is not how everybody else looks at it. And I don't know what Steve thinks of this. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I think um, so. I'm, I'm probably going to get this mixed up, but the way that they define it is that one of them is a game of skill and the other is a game of chance. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm mixing up which is which, but it's but Steve, like, how can you yeah. allow NFL players to play fantasy sports of the league they're playing in? Like, that's the thing that blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Like, Maurice Jones-Drew, God bless him. He's got a job at NFL Network because of it. But he he was playing fantasy football while he was in the league. This is crazy. Almost like a Pete Rose thing. Yeah, Yeah. so if if you're a tight end in the NFL or whatever the case may be, or God forbid you're a quarterback, you know, or a a defensive back or something like that. I mean, think about it. I'm a defensive back. We're up or down significantly in the game. The, it's the fourth quarter. Outcome doesn't matter. But if this dude beats me, I'm in my fantasy game. Whoops, I fell. Yeah. And they score. Yeah, yeah, I right. mean, come on. Go ahead, Steve. Well, Sorry. Uh, no, I mean, you're you're making good points there. Um, well, it's like yeah. there was a company that the Brewers were tied in with for a couple of years, Monkey Knife Fight. Yes. Which was a daily. Now that's that's gone as well. But I tried that a few times. It just seemed like if somebody wanted to bet on themselves – over under some friend, hey, I'm gonna have a terrible day today, and they could have just loaded up on it. You know, it's just it's just funny where because it's a team aspect, it's considered gambling, but if it's an individual aspect, it's considered fantasy sports. Correct, and it's just bizarre. But but the other part about this is, and when they decided to, a lot of these states started going legalize gambling and so forth, and promoting it, and having advertisers in the parks and in the stadiums and so forth. Look, you go down the United Center, they have a sports book. In their stadium, you can go year round and go gamble in their stadium. Wrigley is going to have a sports book down in Chicago. And I would imagine at some point at American Family Field or Pfizer right. Forum, if they ever legalize gambling in Wisconsin, they also will have their sports books. At which point, you know, Potawatomi and Ho-Chunk and Oneida, they may take a hit on all of this. Mm-hmm. But look at Potawatomi. They took out their, their Northern Lights Theater right. to put a gigantic right. sports book in, yeah. which is going to be opening here sometime soon. Plus, they put a brand new uh, Rock and Brews bar in. The guy, yep. Gene Simmons from Kiss, yes. I guess, yep. is one of the, the the guys of it. But, I mean, so they did all of this. The, the key here is, in my mind, Steve, is can you get on the sports books here at Potawatomi? Right. Can you get the PBA on that sports book? Can you get the PBA on the Oneida sports book up in Green Bay? Now, again, I, I don't know if that's Tom Clark going to Potawatomi and Oneida and asking to be put up on there, and then who has to make the odds for it, because again, these are tribal casinos, so I'm not even sure who exactly is making the lines. In Vegas, you got a handful of dudes that are making the lines for everybody, because nobody owns just one casino. Everybody owns like six casinos out there. Right. So you got a handful of dudes making the lines out there. How does it work for you guys over at bookies.com? Are you essentially the one making the lines and setting everything? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, no, so at least as far as the the bowling lines right. that I've been going with, I've been using the Rivers Casino ones because that's the, that's the only place that I'm aware of where they have mobile gambling where you can bet on bowling. Um, so yeah, you do have to cross the border if you want to bet on it. But, um, but yeah, as far as I know, bet rivers is the only one that's, that's got bowling lines. And actually when, when I was talking to Tom Clark, he, he mentioned that, um, for Fox, when Fox bet was, was, you know, offering doing it, their thing. Yeah. Uh, when they were doing their thing, um, he w- he had to give them the lines, um, he was making the lines. So, so yeah, I don't know if he actually, you can't he, be doing that, man. You can't have the commissioner making lines for the sport. Could well, you imagine if somebody well, fought out Roger Goodell was making the lines for the games on Sundays? <laughs> Holy crap. Well, hang on. Okay. I don't want to get myself in trouble. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if he actually made the lines, but he was, he did pass the lines over. He, maybe there was, there was an expert handicapper that's actually setting the lines and then he would pass them over. I mean, it wouldn't surprise know, me if but, Tom was passing like data over, like, especially with like lane talk, like what guys are averaging and how many strikes you're getting Phil, in strikes on strikes. He can't be making the lines well, no, as the commissioner on be, the sport. He could be making sure the he could be making sure the information. Yes! You can't be. You can't. No. Oh no! Are you, we can, I love Tom. Tom's my right, guy. Right, you right, can't right, be right, doing right. that, man. That's right. a problem. Right. You cannot be doing that. Oh, yeah. I love okay. Tom, but you, I mean, my God. Yeah, no, let's let's no. assume he didn't make the lines. <laughs> let's assume you're correct. Yeah. Let's hope so, because that is not something we want to have. Right. Oh, but, my God. Commissioner Sport making betting lines. Oh, my goodness. That would be something. Steve uh, Aladdin joins us now here again of bookies.com. So start, let us know here. It says you write touts, and people that don't know gambling have no idea what the hell a tout is. Um for bookies.com. So tell everybody kind of that first one that you wrote and kind of what you were thinking and then how it's kind of progressed since then. Okay. Well, first let me clarify with bet rivers that Tom Clark is not giving them the lines. <laughs> there you me, go. He did tell me specifically that um, he was like, I don't know who makes the lines for them, but it seems like they do a pretty good job there. So somebody over at Rivers is is making the lines there. We're gonna have to find that person and get them on next. All right, all right, Steve, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but um, but yeah. So the the first article that I wrote um, was for the PBA Tour Finals, um, and yeah, basically to kind of you know come up with my picks and predictions, I took a look at um, you know looked at what the lane conditions were that they were bowling on. It was going to be the the Wayne Webb and Earl Anthony patterns. Um, I looked back at the past couple of years of other tournaments that used those patterns, how the players did on those and kind of came to my conclusions based on that. Um, I mean, it was kind of, I went, I went with the favorite with my winner pick. I went EJ Tackett and, you know, if, if he would have picked up the 10 pin in the 10th frame of that game, uh, he would have advanced to the finals and, you know, good chance that he would have won it all, but you know, he missed a 10 pin in the 10th and ended up losing in the 
the tiebreaker then um, to Chris Prather. Um, and, you know, Kyle Troop ended up going on to win that. Right. Um, now for the, the next article I wrote for the PBA skill ball challenge, um, that was a little bit tougher. I, I wasn't sure what to, how, what to make of that because, you know, they all have to use the same ball, um, you know, not a reactive ball um, on some really unusual lane conditions too. Um, so for that, I reached out to a few people that I trust um, and I'll, I'll give them their props. Um, Craig Mueller over at Next Level Pro Shop. Um, he's my pro shop guy, um, Kevin Meyer. You're not allowed Country. to speak of other pro shop guys on the show outside <laughs> of the spare time pro shop. See, that's rule number one on this show. Otherwise, the, the whole thing goes away. Okay. <laughs> I'll be yeah. going. Okay. Um, then Kevin Meyer over at Country Lanes. Um, uh, he's the owner over there. And um, one of my good friends, Brent Ritchie, who's a really good bowler out in Madison, um, who I went to college with. So I asked them for, you know, asked them individually their thoughts on it. Um, and they actually all ended up coming back with the same answer. They all said Jacob Butterf, um, is probably the guy that they'd go with if they're betting on it. Um, mainly just because of the kind of revs that he throws it with. Plus, I mean, usually he throws urethane, so he's more used to throwing that type of ball, ball. So, um, so yeah, that's where all of their commentary so there was lines on that event. Yes. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I was. I was at a. Right. I was at a regional in Bowling Green while that was going on, and uh, I was talking about it on air during the regional, like the lines we were talking about who you would have taken and I, that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. I would have contacted Gary Beck because that whole tournament was a Teen Masters feel. It was. Yeah. 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 It was his ball. It was about the same wind conditions that the kids bowl on. Yep. Yeah, so. and Gary Beck's been around forever. Yeah. Uh, hey, Steve. All right. One last thing for you here before before we let you go. I, I want to get your thoughts a, a little bit on how important you think gambling is to the future of this sport uh, and seeing it continue to, you know, do well or get better going forward. Because we've talked about this in the past on this uh, Spare Time Bowling Show podcast. Download it on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Uh, and we got into talking about okay, so legalized betting and say the NFL or the major league baseball or the NBA, and they're going to have betting windows or sports books at all these stadiums. And then those teams are going to get a cut out of whatever right. is bet on those games. So right. all of these teams are going to make a, a ton more money. The players will eventually make a ton more money. You can't really do that with the PBA tour because you're not going to have sports books at bowling alleys, uh, wherever they go bowl outside of, you know, in Vegas, right? If you're at South Point, okay, right. fine, you have that, but yeah. you you don't have a lot of other ones where you can use that model. So, how really important is it that they get latched in to gambling here, like all the other sports? Um, I think it's extremely important. Um, I mean, if I mean, I I can speak for myself. I'm I'm a big gambler. Love to gamble on just about anything, and um. I mean, there's a reason why I will sit in front of the TV all day Sunday and, you know, barely get up. I'm watching every single game. It doesn't Are you matter. Single, Steve? <laughs> Are you single? 
Um, I'm divorced. So well, there you go. That explains <laughs> it. Okay. Very good. So you've got lots of free time on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> divorced with kids. So half of the weekends I'm in front of the TV all weekend. <laughs> and other, otherwise, they don't let me watch the games at all. That's right. That's correct. So, yep. Um, so, yeah, I watch every every minute that I can. And I've got all my fantasy teams um, betting on individual games. I've got my season-long props and you know over under wins totals so i mean to me i mean i I see the value in um you know having the option of betting on anything where you know even if i'm 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 not putting big money on games but even if i have 10 bucks on a game it makes it a lot more interesting to me okay hold on a second phil's got to follow up but i got to follow up first did gambling get you into watching a sport you weren't watching I uh, I do watch a lot more NBA now than, than you did before, I, than I did before. Yes, because that's what that Absolutely. that's to me. That's the point here, right? The PBA is going to grow its audience and, and get bigger. Yeah. How do you get bigger? And I don't know. And I'm not a gambler, but if you're a gambler, do you start watching the PBA tour because oh, I hit it a couple of times just guessing. Oh, maybe this is kind of all right to watch. And now I'm going to start tuning in, and you build the audience that way. Or do people look at it and go, I don't know the first thing about that. I'm not betting it tech with it. I'm going to go over here and bet the NFL or whatever may be on this weekend that I know a, a lot more about. I just don't know how much it grows the audience, Phil. Yeah, and that's where I kind of follow up here is, you know, there's a lot of PBA events that are live streamed. You only see the finals on Fox. Right. But there's a lot of events, especially at the regional level. I do a lot of regionals uh, in conjunction with the PBA that get streamed. You can watch it start to finish. Could being year-round like that, would would sportsbooks be interested I mean, you never see lines for minor league baseball, so would there be a possible interest for PBA regional action for betting if these events are all live-streamed and anybody could watch them? Hmm. Uh, I don't know what the market would be on that. I think yeah. you still you still need to have, like, the bigger names of the sport, Yeah, I think, before people would bet on it. Um, I mean, there I'm sure there are some degenerates that will bet on anything, yeah. but... Go to COVID. Um, was, I mean, go was, to COVID and look at the things people were betting on during COVID when there were no sports in this right. country. Yeah. We were betting on all kinds of weird crap. Yeah, I mean, there was a regional this weekend in Coldwater, Ohio, that had EJ Tackett and Kyle Troop and DJ Arch, and it had a whole bunch of PBA tour guys that were there for this regional. So something like that could could have easily been, and it was live streams, easy to follow on the PBA website too. Sure, uh, that could have been an event with having all those names on there. It could have been really good, even though it was only a regional. I think, and I don't know this, maybe Steve knows this, in the way of golf, I would assume, gambling-wise, that the majors are a lot more gambled on than the other regular tournaments throughout the season. That would be my guess. I would make the, the same assumption, yeah, because I know I'm I'm a very casual golf fan myself, and I'll sit down and watch. I'll watch a major on Sunday. You know, I'll watch that last round on Sunday, but other than that, I'm not watching golf. Right. But you'll pl- but you put some money down on the U.S. Yeah. Open or the Masters or whatever the case may be, and I think that might be how you get the PBA started is kind of focusing on those majors and hopefully cross your fingers you actually get some star star power there on a Sunday. The one thing you yeah. don't want is you don't want Belmonte not being on TV, right? right. You you have to be able yeah. to have star power or troop or these guys that yeah. people see I on know. Sports Center and right. know who they are, yep. uh, and that's the other aspect of it is is getting on. Uh, you know, and making popular and I'm not on TikTok, but 
you know, getting that, getting on TikTok and being active in social media on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, and, and that type of stuff. Facebook, I'm not as worried about. That tends to be for older people, it seems like nowadays. But the, the other ones to get out there in front of the 20 something year olds, um, the kids that are on college campuses and have their bookie friend uh, that's taking bets for them or whatever the case may be. See Steve smiling. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> that, that, but that, that's, that's, that's the type of thing that you have to have to grow it. Uh, the other aspect is getting in front of, you know, these younger guys that are actually in league. And that's the other aspect that oh, has yeah. to continue to grow is getting the college age kids into league play going forward. So you went to UW, you said, Steve. So how many of those guys that you went to school with are now in a league? Hmm. Yeah, not many, huh? Uh, well, I mean, for for me, I, I mean, I, I was on the UW bowling team, so a lot of my friends. You were gambling though on that bowlers. UW bowling team, were you? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, okay, no. just checking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up uh, again throughout the season as uh, we get closer to some of these. Uh, tournaments and getting back into the season pba league coming up i'm assuming you'll be writing stuff up on for pba league um yeah i think i'll, I'll have to wait and see what's out there to gamble on um because i think i'll just i'll be going along with whatever's out there on to bet on at bet, bet rivers um but yeah hopefully they'll have something out there and we should start I'm our sure own damn will. line, the spare time bowling show lines. We'll post them. We're not going to take any bets. We'll post some fake lines for everybody. <laughs> Steve, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Uh, can I do a quick plug? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, just want to uh, give a chance for, you know, any of your listeners that are in their fantasy football leagues, you know, getting ready for the draft season um, at Rotowire. You can go to rotowire.com slash try and um, just sign up there. It's a free two day trial, get access to everything behind the paywall Um we don't even ask for a credit card up front. So it's not one of those things where, you know, after two days, we'll charge your card. Just ask for a name and email address and go ahead, check out everything that's there. And, you know, hopefully you'll like what you see and actually subscribe to the site. It's a beautiful thing. Rotowire has been around a hundred years. It feels like yeah. a long, long time. They're one of the pioneers, I think, for fantasy uh, sports. And they do a great job over there at Rotowire for sure. Steve, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Okay. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve. You bet you take care. There he is. Uh, Steve Belinda joining us uh, and always uh, fun uh, to have him on the show. Oh, okay. So let's talk a little bit uh, about this thing that came out yesterday from mm-hmm. the, uh, the USBC. Uh, and it says in the press release, USBC will be uh, adding additional prize money to the classified division of the 2023 USBC Open Championships in year-long brackets. The additional funds will be used to create an alternate prize fund, removing a high-scoring competitor who... Uh, while eligible under the tournament rules, has eligible has abilities higher than the classified division. This situation came to light as the year-long brackets results showed a participant in the classified division with a high number of bracket entries and prize winnings. After review, this individual entered the classified division based upon a championship championship's average that was several years old with current league averages showing a higher ability. The individual did not break any rules or misrepresent their entire their, their entering average. Therefore, USBC has no basis to change the official results. USBC will address this issue at Open Championship Tournament Rules moving forward. That is from uh, the USBC. Thoughts, Phil Brylow. Guy hadn't bowled the Nationals in a few years, wanted to go to Reno. They said he had a 149 entering average. 
they tried to change it. USBC said this the people on site, not the actual, you know, organization, the whole organization, but the people working at the tournament on site said you have a 149 average from your previous USBC national championships experience, and that's your average. You're in the classified division. I don't fault the guy one bit. And for apparently he got significantly up. better. I think he took out a second and third mortgage on his house. And yeah, I've seen the story. I, you know, a, a lot of hearsay on Facebook and social media and that type of thing, but the, he made a lot the of money. We'll he just made a lot it. of money, yeah. but he also got better in the years since last time he bowled right. the USBC national championships. But that's like that for any event that is handicapped. There's either yep. people that are new to the sport that are getting better in a rapid phase and all of a sudden, next thing you know, they go from 170 to 220. And if these tournaments don't have a rule about re-rating them, they're only using last year's average because they don't want to go chasing around averages for that season. It, it's something that happens in the sport of bowling. It happens all over the place. There was another tournament this last weekend out in uh, Utah or Idaho. Same thing where bowlers entered that had lower averages a year before, got better quickly, and next thing you know, they're in a division they're not supposed to be, and, and they win money. I've seen it in tournaments around Milwaukee. I've seen it in tournaments around Wisconsin. It's just part of the thing that if somebody has average divisions or handicap, it's going to happen. Right. Regardless. There's no way to get around it, though. There's no way to get around it other than changing the rules. And uh, I saw Jeff Rickles make a comment yesterday, a friend from 11thframe.com, and he just basically said they either need to make it where you have to have averages in the last two years at national, part of your nationals average has to be from the last two years or you're coming in at the high, you know, you're coming in the regular division. Yeah, open division. So, yeah. Yeah. So well, they won't take league averages. Not unless, if you don't have enough games in at Nationals, they take they, your league average right. and then they rate it to a sport condition average. So that's how they get you in there. So, like, if I bowled at New Berlin Bowl right, right, on right. league and I haven't bowled in forever long and I was averaging, say, 215 uh, at New Berlin Bowl, and now I go to do this. So what's my average going to be then? Is it's not going to be 215 when I go to enter? No, you'll probably get re-rated to a from a from a house shot average to a sports shot average. You'll probably get rated to like the 190s somewhere. Only oh. if you're in the classified division. Correct? Well, it could put there's three divisions at nationals with okay. there's there's the regular, the standard, and the classified. Okay. So that could that's that could probably get him down in the standard division. When I bowled nationals, I bowled 25 straight years. It was only the open division or the regular division. Scratch. You came in at your league average yeah. uh, if you were bowling your first ever event. Yeah. Uh, there were they added different divisions to get more people to more join money. The t- right. Yeah, yeah, more people Correct. come out and more expense money that they make. Absolutely. Yeah. It used so to they be opened it up. Classified yeah. was just a team event, and you had to bowl everybody bowled the same division for doubles and singles. So classified was like 850 team average for five players or below. And as the tournament went on and some years entries were down, they kind of changed things up and they, okay, here we have our regular and now our standard and now our classified for singles, doubles and team and all events and, and everything else. So and it's just, a, it's just the way to market the tournament differently. And, you know, not, I hate to say it, but it, it, the USBC is kind of, and, and most associations, whether it's state, local or national level, they've turned into giant tournament associations in a lot of ways, more than just, uh, you know, servicing the sport. The thing that I'm interested in, how did this dude come to be found out? How, how oh, does the, did, were, were people complaining about it? Oh, yeah. Was the dude bragging? Like, no. How does it come to be that this all of a sudden becomes a whole big thing where you were putting people out a press were on release? The squad that knew him even? No, it's all social media. It's all people that just go through the results and they're looking for themselves. And all of a sudden they see the one anomaly like, holy crap, how did this guy make $30,000? 
and it gets on social media and people start looking at it more and then it just it blows it's like anything else it snowballs wow so we, we even have it on a local level i mean city tournament prime example this year a team won from holler house okay, okay. well if you're going to bowl at Howler House, expect your average to be lower. Look at what you're bowling on. Sure. You know, and they're they're following the rules. Right. And that's what's currently wrong with their handicap system. You have a guy that might bowl league at New Berlin Bowl where the lanes are kept up. You have synthetic lanes. He's going to average 20, 30 pins higher. And this league comes in from Howler House, which is two lanes, warped woods, manual mm-hmm. pin setter. And, you're, and the guy's going to average legally 30 to 40 pins lower. They're going to get all that handicap <laughs> yes. and walk I, away with it. I mean, even before it I, has to be, it has to be what they do in golf, a slope rating. Well, even with they that, talked yeah. about that for years for bowling alleys to have a slope rating. But again, it comes down though, then to our local association that's running the tournament that, to be able to adjust the averages and handicaps. That's what it kind of comes down to. Yeah. That is just absolutely you know, wild to that's, me how this whole thing works. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm not saying right. they're doing anything wrong. They're not. It makes sense of why it is the way that it is. I just was blown away when I saw the story uh, about this whole thing. But that's why so many people have been turned off by tournament bowling. I mean, you right. look at how many tournaments you used to be able to bowl around Wisconsin for years. I never worried and, about it. It was always scratch well, for me. Right, exactly. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, it's tournaments like the city tournament and the, and the state tournament. You're in the handicap division unless you pay extra money to enter the scratch division. Right now, it's it optional. Be, right where it should be the other way around. Everybody you should have be to going pay scratch. More money if you're good. Optional. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because it's all handicapped. Yeah. Everything's handicapped because it dried up so much for the scratch divisions over the yeah. decades. Well, it's always oh. been that way for state though. Wait, 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 it's wait, wait, been- wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Well, why is the scratch division more? It doesn't make anybody have to do more work, does it? Because there's no handicap involved, so there. Right. And everything is done by computers. So right. again, what? Why am I paying more? Because I'm good. Right. If anything, the scratch division should be less, and the handicap division should be good. Mm-hmm. You want to pay less? Then get into the scratch division, get better as a bowler, and you'll pay significantly right. less. Right. And if you're not as good, then you're going to pay more because you're in the handicap division. Yep. It should be the exact opposite in my mind. Yeah, and I think it would help get more bowlers that are higher average bowlers back into these tournaments. Yes, I really do because that's. It's one of the reasons why I stopped. But that's why I got, burned, you... I got burned by guys more than once in handicap yes. tournaments around the area where right. I come in, I have a great day, but these guys bowl at Imperial Lanes or Holler House or something like that. And they come, you know, it's, I, and I know I'm getting into a handicap tournament and I know, you what, know I what you're do. in for, right? You know yes. what you're in for. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you get into it and you're looking at this guy and I have to give him 35 pins in one game in a single game match. Right. I'm and screwed. he beats you scratch. It's all over. I'm effing screwed. There's yeah, no right. way. It's all done. And I know the guy's real ability it, when he's not bowling at Imperial Lanes or Hot right, House or these yeah. places. Yeah. They figured it out. You know? Yeah. yeah. They're legally cheating if you want to call Figure it out how any, to play the game. Right. They know right. how to play the game. And it, it doesn't matter if it's a certified tournament or, or sanctioned nowadays, it's certified. It doesn't matter if it's certified or non certified because they're still using the same set of rules. And it's not like anybody's going in asking these guys, hey, where are the last 18 tournaments you bowled or where are the last nine tournaments you bowled to get your tournament average? Because nobody, you know, Nobody can find results anywhere easy. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said for years our handicap system, at least in bowling, is right. broke. There has to be more monitoring. Yep. So when I was a director for the GMBA, um, our executive director followed what if you want to call it the baggers in town, um, closely. Uh the guys that would typically always be in the lower divisions with the lower averages, and boy, can they light it up then? You know, so those guys were really being watched closely. So it, they're not. I mean, if they think they're not being watched, they got another thing coming. But anytime you have handicap 
you're going to have that potential for cheating. For yeah. sure. Yeah. But the guys that are being watched, then they know they're being watched. And all of a sudden, well, I'm going to do just enough. Let me get my uh, right. a little bit more of my money back. And then they really can't say that much about it. If I don't finish in first place, nobody's going to look at me. Right. Right. Let me finish in fifth. Money. Just want to make some money. Right. right. It's having a nice day. Pay for the cocktails and right. Lunch Rackets and are the go. same way too. Right. And nobody goes back and looks at that. Either. Man, that's crazy. All right, Albrecht, uh, Phil, Bryla. One last thing on the way out. Uh, I had the pleasure of having Dwight uh, give the seven-year-old a bowling lesson over at New Berlin Bowl yeah, Saturday. And uh, Jacks, uh, the seven-year-old, again was a guy that just he walked up to the line, bumper bowling, swung his arm two or three times, chucked the ball. That was essentially the end of it. By the time he got done with Dwight for his hour lesson, he was walking up there and had a pretty good idea of what he was doing and was able to hit targets and so forth. He's got a bigger hook than me already. Not even close. <laughs> Dwight will attest to that. Yeah. Um, so it, it was it was good. And it, was it was a great enjoyable. job, Dwight. And yeah, thank you, you. you said something to me that I wanted to bring up here, which is a lot of times when guys give lessons, they don't look at the bowler from the front. They right. only watch from the back. And you figured out an issue with Jackson from watching him from the front that other guys probably would never have noticed had they not been out on the lane kind of watching. Yeah, you got to unfortunately kind of look at all the camera angles, I guess, or, you know, and I got lucky, I guess, because I'm trying to get him to not lead so hard with his right shoulder. And I'm watching him from the side in the back. And he's still, of course, pulling the ball. And then I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be something else going on. So luckily, I went out in the lane and just looked at him from the front. And that's when I saw that his eyes were looking down at the approach as he was walking to the line, never focusing his eyes on his target. So we also took him out into the lane a little bit and showed him how the lane is oiled. A lot of people don't ever get that chance because right. the oil is clear. Yeah. Um, and so when you, it's one of those seen as believing type of deals. He, he was such a, a polite cute little boy and he loves the game so much it was so fun to give him the lesson and of course non-bumpers he's now starting because he's playing the right portion of the lane right. to see the ball walk into the pocket and of course he gets excited when he gets a strike once in a while right. and that's the development of the sport so yeah it was really uh, a great experience for me too i how, loved it how soon until he keeps his thumb out of the ball and puts the other hand well that's it. what everyone was asking at the center when i i said <laughs> I, I was giving sparky's son a lesson right. first words out of their mouth oh he's a two-hander right nope Nope. No, I said, no, no he's conventional. It's right? conventional. No Jason is, Belmonte yet. No Jason Belmonte yet. Now, he hasn't brought it up. He hasn't asked to do it. Nothing of the sort. He likes doing it the way that he's doing it. And after that, EJ Tackett, you yeah, never know. We got in a car. He's like, man, he taught me a lot. I was like, yeah. yeah. And you were able to process a lot of it. But right. now we just that was keep... the thing I was so impressed with. He he understood it at seven years old. I'll be impressed right. if he remembers all of this the next time we well, go that's bowling. Why I sent you notes. Right. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we got to just right. keep on him before league starts. So Dwight's going to get them all set up with like a ball contract and a jersey contract. <laughs> and everything now. Well, it that's how it better. starts. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Got to yeah. keep going. Yeah. Well, so who do you know so I can get a ball contract? Exactly. Like? Right. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got connections, Dwight. Hook me up. Follow Dwight on Twitter, of course, at Dewey300. Follow Phil at Bruce City Bowling. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Download Spare Time Bowling Show podcast on your Odyssey app or every download your favorite podcast at. Enjoy the rest of your day. Toodles! 